Well, I want to preach to you from three different places tonight, I guess, and so that's not too good. Keep you three times as long. Feel like Lester Roloff once in a while. In his opening prayer, he said, Lord, now show me where to preach and what to preach tonight. <laughs> and the Lord blessed in such a wonderful way. Well, go with me to 1 Kings, please, 13. And then Hebrews 1. This portion in 1 Kings is very difficult for many of us to understand. Therefore, I was quite concerned about delivering the message. But then we need to realize that, that uh, God is hard to understand too. Amen? How that God can destroy whole nations and then raise up other nations. and How God can allow some to die in the very prime of life. We think of Bill Borden, who was an heir to the Borden milk and dairy products. And he went over there, and I don't even know if he made it to his place. He gave up all of his wealth and went over there and died either on the ship or when he got there. And sometimes we wonder why these things happen. I think of another man who went to the Indians and he died very young age. And then I think of uh, just so many others and their, their wives went over to the mission field and died. I think of Adoniram Judson, the first Baptist missionary, how he became a Baptist on his way over to his mission field. He saw that baptism was biblical and it was by immersion. And he about got there and he told him, he said, he said, on my way over on the ship, it was such a long Voyage, of course, reading the Scriptures and praying. He said, I be, in, a, in essence, he said, I, I need to resign from my mission agency because I differ with them. I want to get baptized. <laughs> by the biblical way, by immersion. And it's just very difficult sometimes to understand uh, different por- portions of the Scripture in this 13th chapter of First Kings is like unto that. And then the 14th chapter, I'd like you to look at a verse in the 14th chapter, lest I forget it. Verse 24. This is First Kings chapter 14 and verse 24. It says, Rehoboam, who was the son of Solomon, says in his mother's name, in the last part of verse 21, and his mother's name was Naamah and Ammonitus. But then down to verse 24. This is 1 Kings 14, verse 24. And there were also Sodomites in the land. And they did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. And right after that, they lose their golden shields and they become brass shields. Is that what, is that what 
sanctioning sodomites will do to a country? I say yes. It'll do even worse than that. Look at Sodom, Gomorrah, Adama, and Zeboan. All four of them consumed by the fire from heaven. That was a direct act of God, that fire that was sent. Nobody with their right mind could say that that was a natural happenstance. For it happened as Lot was brought out of the city after he'd been warned and God sent the fire down. I want you to know that it's a sad day in our country when we have when our previous president sanctioned perverts. That's the that's the bottom of the rung. Judgment and fire comes. And so, don't make light of the terrible wickedness in San Francisco. They're noted, known as the town of sodomites. And in fact, if you hear, if you have any relatives over there, it'd be good for you to tell them to move on down here. We're not much better, but I think we might be some better. <laughs> and I wouldn't doubt if God just take that whole part of California and just drop it in the ocean. I've had a number of earthquakes over there and landfalls and all kinds of things. I want you to know, God hates perversion. And these shields were gold under, Sol under Solomon and they became brass when these ki king, this king came down upon them. But there were two things, listen, there are two things that will really bring down a country and cause the wrath of God upon a country. Idol worship, by the way, that is the main reason you ought to be against the Roman Catholic faith. They still have their little, their little crucifixes. You know, our cross is, is open. Our cross is bare. He is not on the cross anymore. He is risen. So don't, don't go around with a cross around your neck, especially if it would have the image of Christ on it. And then we do not have Mary idols around here. Did you notice? And we're never going to have them. I could go senile and we still wouldn't have them here. Amen? We don't believe in them. We believe that they are... In fact, the Israelites, they always they wanted a God they could see. And we're to trust the Lord and the invisible Lord by seeing by faith, not by sight. Don't make any graven image or any likeness. And so God dealt so harshly with Israel when they became perverted and when they went into idol worship. We have the idol worship in the 13th chapter and we have sodomy in the 14th chapter and God will bring us down. He'll bring any people down. Those that do not change from the sin of sodomy will end up in the pit of hell. That's their portion. They can repent and be saved. But they must repent or they will not be saved. And we ought to be very careful that we do not keep silent about this sin. Even at the expense of your own life. We act like we're such brave fundamentalists. I don't know when you start stirring up these perverts and these witches, I want you to know that Saul did something too. The third thing is 
Witchcraft. This is coming on. What's that film? Harry Potter. What do you think about it? I think it, how could it be anything less? The world's making so much of it. <laughs> you know there must be something wrong, wrong with it. Made that much money in a couple days. Now, we don't want anything to do with this kind of films. And then here I am listening to the we uh, weather and I hear ho, ho, ho. And then they say the magic of Christmas. There's no magic at all about it. I'm against magic. In fact, uh, I one time we had a, uh, a ventriloquist here and then they, they went into some of these magic, they wanted to go into the magic things. And I said, I don't want any magic stuff around our church. I don't want any of that magic stuff around our church. We don't need that stuff. In fact, it was the magicians in Egypt that Pharaoh called in. And they, they did the same thing with the rod. But then it was Aaron's rod that swallowed up their... Uh, Aaron's and Moses and God's rod that was a snake swallowed up their snakes or their rods. I don't like that magic stuff. No, sir. We have a miracle-working God. And we don't need all these magic... We don't need tricks. We don't need tricks or treats. We just need His presence. We need the Lord. We need Him. You say, well, it's just for the kids. They're to grow up and become young men and young women. And godly young men and godly women. We don't need a bunch of foolishness, especially in the church house. In fact, I as a bishop, I'm forbidden to be a, uh, act like a fool. I'm forbidden to be light and frivolous and foolish. And our deacons are as well. We're to be serious-minded. And then I th thought of this in, in, in preparing for the message tonight. What about the, the, the disciples? How they all lost their... The history tells us every one of them, maybe not John, the young uh, John the Apostle, but he was on the Isle of Patmos when he received the revelation and had, already, uh, and, and had written also 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and the Gospel of John, John the Beloved and... They said he was boiled in oil or something, according to history, and survived. I don't understand all of, all of that. I do not know. But they say that all the other apostles died an unnatural death. Well, are we any better? What about if some people come right next door to you, move next door to you or down the street, and uh, they uh, start passing out their dope and everything else and doing all kinds of things. Are you going to report them? You sure want to stay anonymous though, don't you? Because these people are revengeful. My wife was at a, and I were eating at a place, I think it was in Piccadilly's just last week, and there was a gentleman there and he was a judge and she meets all these big shots down at Henderson's. I don't know all these big knowledgeable people. And uh, even, even the General Bells eats over there once in a while. So go over there and meet General Bell. And tell them I sent you and tell them to do that fort straight over there else. Anyhow. Uh, and so this judge was there. And as, as the judge left, he was very pleasant. And I said to her, I said, I wouldn't want to be a judge. I wouldn't want to be a policeman. I wouldn't want to be a judge. All those people that get put up and put in their place, if he's a good, strong judge, they all want to come back and kill him and do harm to his family. 
But the truth of the matter is, you got to stand up for what's right, no matter what kind of people you're dealing with, and you need to cry aloud and spare not, lift up my voice like a trumpet and show my people their sins. Or you're not a true prophet. Or exercising the gift of the prophet. Well, you have your place. And so, I'm just trying to say this, that sometimes people that you think should not die, they do die. And sometimes people that are wicked as the devil himself and seemingly maybe more wicked than him if you could be more, and you couldn't. But sometimes they live on. But their day is coming. And we don't know. God's ways are not our ways. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. For my ways are above your ways. And my thoughts above your thoughts. I don't know why Brother Lightsey's sick today. As good and godly a man as he is. Amen? But he's sick today, isn't he? And I don't know why some other wicked devils are out here living like the devil himself and they're, they're feeling great and good. But I know one thing. God's got it all in control. And you're going to be alright until it's your time. We have a thing here that seems really strange. And so I'll read the whole chapter and then we'll look it over or a good part of the chapter. And this is First uh, Kings 13. You remain seated as I read, and then we'll stand for a moment. It says, And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jer- Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord. Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David. Josiah by name. And upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee. And men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord hath spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. And it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him! And his hand, which he put forth against him, dried up, so that he could not pull it in again again to him. And the altar also was rent, and the ashes poured out uh, out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God, and pray for me, that my hand may be restored me again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again, and became as it was before. And the king said unto him, said unto the man of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. And the man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place, for so it was charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. So he went another way and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. Now there dwelt 
an old prophet in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. The words which he had spoken unto the king. Them they told also to their father, and their father said unto them, What way went he? For his sons had seen what way the man of God went, which came from Judah. And he said unto his sons, Saddle me the ass. So they saddled him the ass, and he rode thereon, and went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread, nor drink water in this place, with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, Thou shalt eat no bread, nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. And he said unto him, I am a prophet also as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. So he went back with him and did eat bread in his house and drank water. And it came to pass, as they sat at the table, that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that brought him back. And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord. For as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back and hast eaten bread and drunk water in this place of which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread nor and drink no water. Thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulchers of thy fathers. And it came to pass after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled for him the ass to wit for the prophet whom he had brought back, and when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way, and the ass stood by it, and the lion, the lion also stood by the carcass. And behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way, and the lion standing by the carcass. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. And when, when the prophet that brought him back from the way, heard thereof, he said, It is the man of God, who was disobedient unto the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord hath delivered him unto the lion, which hath torn him and slain him, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake unto him. And he spake to his sons, saying, Saddle me the ass. And they saddled him. And he went and found the carcass cast in the way, and the ass and the lion standing by the carcass, the lion had not eaten the carcass, nor torn the ass. And the prophet took up the carcass of the man of God and laid it upon the ass and brought it back. And the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. And he laid his carcass in his own grave and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother, and it came to pass after he had buried him that he spake to his son, saying, When I am dead, then bury me in the sepulcher wherein the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the saying which he cried by the 
word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the house of the high places which are in the city of Samaria shall surely come to pass. After this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way, but made again the lowest of the priests, of, of, lowest of the people priests of the high places, whosoever would. He consecrated him. And he, beca- and he became one of the priests of the high places. This And this thing became sin unto the house of Jeroboam, even to cut off and to destroy it from off the face of the earth. Let's stand, please. Just for a moment. It was a long reading, like this morning. I'll reiterate what I said this morning. Can't beat the Word of God, though. And sad to say, what we read, what we read in your hearing at pulpit speed, sad to say, many of us as Christians don't even read that much a day in our personal devotions. By the way, let me mention something. I know you're standing. Just a minute. There are times when you have to run out to the day's activities and you get going too quickly. You know you ought to have a you ought to have a reserve a reserve devotional. Memorize some verses or something. Have a, a little reservation when you, you all of us, there are times when things happen. Children get sick, you have to run for medicine, all these different things. You get too busy, you don't meet the Lord like you ought to. You need to have a, a reserve plan. Something where you're you're quoting scripture and or, and and whatever, just something because you you you've got to have the word of God every day. You've got to have the help of the scriptures. And I just thought I'd throw that in for extra tonight. All right, uh, look, verse verse one and verse two. We'll read those two verses. Verse thir- uh, chapter thirteen, please. And we'll try to pause and keep together as we pause by the punctuations that are there. Any punctuation at all. And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar of burnt incense. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, And upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee. And men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. Let's pray. Father, we thank thee for thy word. Dear Lord, bless it. Help us tonight. This is not an easy portion of scripture. And so, Lord, can and will you, Lord, just somehow make it simple enough so we can get some benefit from it and clear it up in its great trial of understanding and make it more sensible and more easy to understand. And may it be beneficial, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. First of all, I want you to, want you to say that this, it says over and over and over again in the whole portion, he was a man of God. I think that's a commendable thing to even be called the man of God to begin with. Second thing is, his homeland was a land of Judah. He was the man of God from Judah, and Judah was the place that God's blessing was still upon. Not on Jeroboam and the ten tribes that went into apostasy and idol worship, calf worship, but 
Judah, he was from Judah. And God spoke to him. The Bible says God told him what to do, what to say, where to go, how long to stay, how to come back, and where not to stay. He gave him explicit directions on what to do, and it came right from God. By the way, we've got directions too. It's right in this book. Amen? Thy word is true. And so he got good directions. But here what happened is Jeroboam and the ten tribes in the northern kingdom had gone into apostasy, so they're having a dedication day. They're dedicating the altar to the calf, uh, in Be- calf god in Bethel. There was one in Dan and there was in, one in Bethel. And, and Jeroboam had set these up so that they would not go down to Jerusalem to worship the true God, the, the God of Judah, Instead, up in Samaria or the northern kingdom, Bethel and Dan, he set up two calf gods. Now, all of us have enough wisdom to know that we shouldn't be worshiping a calf or a cow. But there's a whole nation in our world, in India, and the Hindus, they worship a cow. Well, I don't worship a cow. I worship the God who created the cow. And I plumb eat cow and enjoy it too. Amen. My wife had some beautiful pieces. I said, was that pork or beef? And she said, beef. I said, I'm glad. I don't care if I ever eat another piece of pork. Now, we'll probably have some on on Tuesday. And so for you hog lovers. Anyhow, uh, nothing wrong with it. It's clean. It's all right. Amen. But it's not too good for your body. Okay. So I said, what is that? And and it was the most tender beef. But you see, uh, that would be the crime of crimes if I was a Hindu. That was cow, that was steer, that was beef. And oh, it was delicious. Oh, and the gravy. Well, we won't talk about that. Anyhow, the God hates idol worship. And by the way, it says that when Moses came out of Egypt's bondage and when he was receiving the law of God on Mount Sinai on the first Pentecost, there they were with Aaron down there as he's receiving the holy word of God, the holy plans for the tabernacle. On the first Pentecost, they are down there and they threw, supposedly threw their gold in, but they carved a calf god. They must have gotten that down in Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world. And now here, years later, and Jeroboam is still worshiping the calf god setting up these calf gods to make religion and worship more comfortable and more convenient. You won't have to go all the way down that long trip on foot or by mule or beast, for there were no automobiles in that day, of course. You'll have to go all the way down to Jerusalem. Just worship here at the convenience store, the convenient temple. The only problem is God said that they were to offer their sacrifices in one place at the door of the tabernacle or the door of the temple. And the worship, they were to worship Daniel, opened his, Daniel opened his windows and prayed toward Jerusalem three times a day. For that's where God had set up his worship in the city of David. We read about that this morning. city of David is Jerusalem. And so here we are, and Jeroboam is having this dedication to his false god with his false priests his false prophets, and the sons of the old prophet were there to view the dedication. 
And what happens is God's man comes on the scene. Thank God for a courageous man of God. The Bible says he came and he cried aloud. He cried against the altar. We need preachers today who will come into America and cry against the sin of the people. Cry against adultery. And cry against witchcraft. And cry against uh, perversion. Cry against these sins of our day. And he comes and he cries against this dedication. Right at the dedication, the king is there. Can you imagine the number of people there? He wanted everybody to know that God had sent him. And that and he cried against the altar. Now, as he cried against the altar, he was in reality crying against those who had made the altar. And the false prophets and the king himself. But he cries against the altar. And he says, the proof and the sign that it is right, what I'm saying is the altar is going to be destroyed and the ashes are going to be all, God's going to just tear your altar up. This will be the sign. And he said, this very altar, in years to come, there's going to be a, a king by the name of Josiah by name. He names him 300 and some years. Jo, uh, jo, Josiah, according to Matthew Henry, had not even been uh, bo born until 300 years from then. 300 years from then. And then, under Josiah's reign, they came and dug up the bones of these false prophets of Jeroboam and burned their bones on the altar. They dug them up. And the proof is that you'll find it in another part of the Scriptures. They came to the, the, the sepulcher of the man of God who got killed by the lion that we read about and we're going to talk about. And they said, leave that one alone. He's the one that made this prophecy. So even the lying prophet's bones didn't even get dug up. This lying prophet's a hard one to figure out, isn't he? Anyhow, and so is Jeroboam a hard one to figure out. I'll tell you what, God is showing mercy to a king. He's giving him time to repent. Isn't God gracious? He gave him 120 years there in the days of Noah to repent at the preaching of Noah, and they didn't repent. Only got his family in. But he got his family in, the ark. Wasn't God gracious there in Sodom and Gomorrah to the relatives of Sodom? I mean, to of Lot and Mrs. Lot, their da daughters who had married other men, and they mocked. They wouldn't listen. They said, get out of the city. The city's going to be destroyed by fire. God's going to destroy the city. God warns people. Did He not warn Adam and Eve? Don't You can, touch it. You can dress and t touch and eat of every tree in the garden. But this one tree you can't eat of. And that's the one they have to eat of, isn't it? <laughs> because we're... The sin, the sin nature. Oh, I just isn't that? He says the devil says, isn't it beautiful for food? And wouldn't it taste good? And oh, God knows that when you eat that, you'll turn into like a god. And they did in a sense. Part of what the devil tells people is true. The only tr trouble is it's all mixed up. Truth and error mixed up ends up a mess. No, you just listen to what God said to begin with. So the man of God cries against the altar. I want you to get that part though. He was. He was strong and he was courageous and he was brave and he spoke out what God had told him. And then the king, he stretches out. He said, "Get, apprehend him. Take him. And as he does, his, his hand, God cripples his hand. And he can't pull his hand back. He probably tries to grab his hand and it won't come back. 
Well, God can just dry up people's mouths and everything. God, in the Bible, blinded some people under Paul and they spoke against the things of God. Others that lied to the Holy Ghost. I said, God's, God's not dead. God can do what He wants with us. If God, if God would have wanted it to happen or to allow it to be happened, all of New York City could have been wiped out. It was devastating enough for those two towers and all the other buildings, seven buildings I think it was in all, and there's, it just went out the other day, over a hundred days, or much longer, and it just, the fire just went out. Well, God, God warns people. Aren't you glad for His warnings? God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. So He's trying to get the attention of Jeroboam and all the people to know that this is false worship. This is against the God of the Jews. And so what happens? After a little bit, by the way, as soon as that happens, the altar is torn down and that prophecy, the sign that the man of God said happened right before their eyes. By now, the king would like his hand fixed again. Now, he, what his problem is, is the king, he doesn't want his heart fixed, he wants his hand fixed. That's the trouble with a lot of people today. They want their physical health back, but they don't want to give their heart to Christ. They don't want to yield their whole self to God. They just want their problems solved. So they have money in the bank and, and their, their creditors won't come after them. And so their health is better and everything else. So their family problems are solved. I'll tell you, the Lord is a, a family uh, problem solver. But the truth of the matter is, we want your heart solved and we want your heart fixed. Then the Lord will take care of some other things. So he, he says, please pray to the Lord God. And he names them the right way. These heathen gods, they sure do know who this God of the Jews is, don't they? They know his name and everything. And he says, you pr please pray, man of God. I, I've kind of changed my point. My, my, I, I don't want them to take you now. I, I'd like my hand back to normal. Isn't he a selfish devil? I'm talking about Jeroboam now. Okay? And so, but the man of God, was he, did he get up and say, I'm sure glad God did this to you? No, he didn't do anything. And it's no wonder Jeroboam didn't just strike you dead. Well, that would have been okay to preach that too because it's no wonder God didn't strike him dead. But he didn't do that. He prayed that God would heal his hand. And you know what? His, his arm and his hand was healed right back to where it was before. Now, I want you to know, this is a man of God. He's on a mission that is exactly told him what to do, what not to do, and just plumb do it. That's what we should do as Christians, shouldn't we? If God speaks to our heart about something, we should do it the way God wants it done. And we've got this idea today in our churches that it doesn't matter how it's done as long as we do something for the Lord. No, no, that's not right. No. Woe be to him that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. You can do the work of God and not do it honestly and uprightly. Or, you know, sometimes we can sin just by silence. Something is wrong. I'm glad some of you are a lot quieter than I am. But my mother last year, just not long ago, told me I was quiet when I was young. That was refreshing. I thought I was a loud mouth all my life. 
I said, really, Mom? Oh, you were real quiet compared to your brother Don. I said, well, thank you, Mother. That's refreshing. But what I'm saying is that uh, even if you're a quiet person, and if you are, that's a good way to be. You might maybe have less trouble getting angry quickly and so forth. And sometimes, you know, I was thinking the great number one problem was the children of Israel is murmuring and chiding. Our tongue is our real problem. It's an unruly evil. It's set on fire of hell, the Bible says in James. Our tongue, no man can tame the tongue. But we still need to be working at it. And the way to tame your tongue is preach the word. Witness to people. Pray to God with your tongue. Witness of His saving grace. Talk for God. And pray for people. And use your tongue for the right thing, not gossip. Just keep your tongue for God. So anyhow, the man of God here is speaking out and he's gracious though and he allows the man he God he allows God to use him even to heal this wicked king's hand who really his heart wasn't healed wasn't healed at all and so the king he gets his hand back and he all of a sudden he's turned from a ferocious man who wanted to take this prophet and hang him by or throw him in the burning fiery furnace like Nebuchadnezzar did to the three Hebrew children and he's changed, and he's glad his hand's back. He said, come home with me and eat with me, and I'll give you a reward. And the man of God, he says, I cannot do that. I will not do that. If you give me half of everything you possess, king, half of your house, uh, most kings have quite a bit of junk laying around. I mean, jewels and gold and silver and diamonds and precious stones and rubies and on and on you go. And he said, if you give me half of everything you possess, I will not come home with you because God's word says I'm not to eat with you nor drink water in this place. God had told him, you go there and get out of there and don't stay there and don't eat there and don't drink there. It's so polluted, you just go and preach there and get out and don't even come back the same way you came. Come a different way. Uh, that place is, is it's the place of the devil. Well, he gets past the king. He doesn't go home with him. I want to know, do you think this prophet, this man of God, was honorable and not wanting the wealth of a false king? He wasn't like Balaam, who had dollar signs in his eyes and wanted to curse Israel. But he's got that put together. And so he goes back the other way. And the, as we said, the young preachers, the young uh, sons of the prophet, the old prophet, they come home and they say, boy, Dad, you should have seen the man of God today. And the Bible says that they really explained the whole thing to him, probably about the king's hand and everything. And, they, and, he's, and the uh, father says, the false prophet, uh, old prophet, he says, which uh, doesn't, the Bible doesn't call him a false prophet, but he sure is a lying prophet, sure enough. Anyhow, he says, which way went he? And all oh, they said, we, he, went, he went this way. Well, he says, saddle me the ass, sons. And they did. And here the old prophet, he's going to get the young prophet. Here he comes and he's sitting under an oak tree, resting and worn out from his preaching crusade. 
And the old prophet is congenial and he says, come back with me and eat bread and drink water here in my place in Bethel. And he said, oh, I can't do that. The word of God says that I, uh, I, I, I cannot do that. And the old prophet said, oh, he said, I'm a prophet as you are. And an angel came down and talked to me. I mean, an angel of Jehovah. And he told me that you should come back and eat and bread and drink water at my house. But the Bible says, but he lied unto him. By the way, when the old man came to him, get this now, when the old prophet came to him, he said, are you the man of God? And he said, I am. He knew he was a man of God. So, he goes back with the old prophet. And he's sitting there eating. He wouldn't listen to an ungodly king who was making a false god, an idol. But he listened to an old, lying, religious prophet. That's what we've got in America today. There are people probably not even here tonight because they've listened to lost, uh, lost or uh, wayward lying prophets. And if you listen to them long enough, you'll turn against the true prophets. If you listen to their lies enough. Because it's not good for you. Are you with me? So he goes back, he's eating there. And then, this is so hard to understand. First of all, why didn't God kill Jeroboam? Why did God preserve the man of God there the first time and allow him even to heal the, man, the, uh, the king Jeroboam's arm? And here he is. He's sitting there in the lying prophet's home and the lying prophet speaks out and it seems like God's speaking through him. Thou art, you're not going to go to the sepulchers of your fathers. You're not going to die and be buried in Judah where you came from because you've been disobedient to the Word of the Lord. Bible says he finishes eating and drinking water and he gets on his beast and he goes and what happens? A lion. A God-guided lion. Mind you. He is a God-controlled lion. He's a, in a sense, he becomes a miraculous lion because he's doing the work of a miraculous God. Our God is a miracle-working God. And the lion kills the prophet. He doesn't eat his carcass, though. He just kills him. Maybe he just slit his throat. I don't know what he did. But he knocks the prophet off his beast, I'm sure, and kills him. And the lion is just there beside the carcass of the, the man of God, the young man of God, I know he's younger than the other one because the other one calls him an old, the old prophet. So he's the younger. He's definitely younger. How much younger? We don't know how young he was or old. I don't believe. But here he is. And there's the, there's the ass there. The, 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 the lion couldn't have been too hungry. He would have torn the ass. And he would have eaten the carcass of the man. That's what lions do when they, when they kill people. They're hungry. And then what happens is these people are going by and I know they don't get very close because you just don't see lions there every day. 
hey, what is this? Let's get on the other side of the road. There's a lion. Is that not a lion? Honey, is that not a lion? That is a lion. I thought she said it was a lion. I thought I was seeing things. And there is a, a man there. We can't help him. We're not getting near that lion. Not too smart. And we're, and look at, there's a, there's the beast that the man must have been riding. I don't understand this. Let's get out of here. It acts, it acts like there were a number of people that went by and they see this strange sight. They had surely never, ever, 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 ever seen this before because this was a miracle. And they must have stayed there a while because the people told the... it got Word got back to the old prophet. And he says, he said, well, saddle me the ass again. So they did. And he goes out. Seems like he went out himself. Doesn't even seem like his sons went. Maybe they did go. I don't know. And here, the old prophet sees the scene. It doesn't phase him too much like the other people because somehow he, he you know, just avoids the putty cat there. This was, listen, this lion killed the man. I think he knew what he, the, the lion was not just a little cat. Amen? And he just picks the beast, the man up, puts it on his beast, and brings him back. And buries him in a sepulcher. And he says, and he mourns for him. And he tells his sons, he said, now I, when I die, I want you to bury me next to the prophet of God who was disobedient to the word of the Lord. But his prophecy will come true. For Josiah will be there. And this will take place in the future. What the man of God prophesied. And so many years later when Josiah comes on the scene and he declares that all these false prophets are going to dig them up and burn their bones on the very altar because it was such a heathen wicked altar that Jeroboam, that Jeroboam must have rebuilt the altar because... You know, there were the false prophets. It says he didn't go... He, he, he made the lowest of the people to be the false prophets and the priests to offer up all these abominable sacrifices. You know, he was doing the right thing in the wrong place and in the wrong way, Jeroboam. It was right to offer animals' offerings to God, but only in God's way. Don't we have churches in all over the whole world now? And they're offering uh, false gods. They're, they're having their incense burnt, and they're, uh, they're doing their burnt offerings, and they're preaching the, the wrong word. They're doing things the wrong way, and God hates it all because it's not done for God's glory. It's not done God's way. Now, what is the moral to this whole thing? When God tells you something, I said this to myself earlier, when you're obedient to the Lord and you love the Lord and your heart's tender and you're doing all you can to obey the Word of God, the very first impression you usually get is the right impression. It's after you talk to false 
prophets and everyone else, and, and you, 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 know, you rethink things sometimes. Usually you're right. Now, that's not true. If you're a baby, baby Christian, sometimes you make some wrong decisions because you hadn't read enough of the Word of God to open your eyes. But I'm saying if you're a knowledgeable Christian, usually your first opinion's the right one. And the thing is, when God makes it plain and gives you the Word of God, you make sure that you obey it explicitly. If God allowed this man of God to be an example to us that we should not listen to the lies of false, old false prophets, then we better listen. And I don't know, has anyone been going around calling you the man of God or the woman of God lately? I'm telling you, this was a man of God. He, I'm sure he had good training, don't you think? He had a good call of God on his life. Was he God's man? Absolutely. Was he saved? Sure he was saved. Now the old prophet, I don't know about him. But I want to say all this, why didn't God kill this old lying prophet? Why didn't God kill Jeroboam, this wicked king? Instead, he allows the man of God to be killed by a God-sent lion. And don't you think that Jeroboam heard about the, the young man? Of God, who got killed because he was disobedient to the word of God. I'm sure he heard about it, don't you, don't you think? And Jeroboam went on in his wicked sin. Don't we have other examples of different people in the Bible? They started out pretty well, but they made a mistake. Now, do you think, honestly, you don't really think that the man of God that was slain by the lion went to hell. I hope you don't think that, because I don't believe that for a minute. I said, I don't believe that for a minute. He listened to uh, an old, false, lying prophet. And a lot of our young preachers today do that. They think, well, he ought to know, but he doesn't know. Or he knows and he's lying. Well, you say, this gets me all confused. Are you confused? I, that's what I was going to tell you. You probably would be. So what's the, what's the moral of the whole thing? Is obey the Word of God explicitly. The Lord loves you. If this, was God's, if this was God's timing for this young man of God, God just took him to heaven early, but he shouldn't have disobeyed. He should not have listened to false, uh, false counsel. Don't we have homes breaking up all over the place because they listen to ministers who give them the wrong advice? Brother Metcalf and his wife, didn't, wasn't there even a minister involved or not when you were getting your false information about not having children? Maybe not, but there were others. There were others that they even went to ministers about their marital situation and everything, and they listened to the preachers who should have known and should have told them straight and didn't. You must listen to the book first. And by the way, Your conscience has to be tender to the Word of God. You don't go by feelings and you don't go by, by your conscience always unless it's tempered with the Holy Scriptures. So what's the answer? The Word of God. Did, by the way, the, the, the young man dying, did that change the book? Didn't change the book at all. Did it change the God of the book? Not one bit. You say, well, why did God do that? I don't know why God does a lot of things. But I'm glad I'm on His side. 
I don't, as I said earlier in the message, you know, don't be questioning God. Just be thankful you're alive and breathing. And you can praise Him and you can sing His praises and you can tell people what He's done for you. See our dear brother Wall here. He's 71, I believe. And my father died at 61. And my dad got saved too. I don't know why God took my dad so young. I still love him so much. But I don't know why. And he knew God. And he was such a man of character. Oh. We're not to question God. God allows cancer to come where He allows it. And He may heal it. Just make sure you're in Christ. And make sure you're obeying the Scriptures like you ought to. I will say this. Definitely the Scriptures imply that the man of God died by the lion... And the reason he died by the lion was he disobeyed the clear commands of God, though he listened to a false lying prophet. So what should we do? We better make sure we don't listen to false lying prophets. We must listen, and the Bible says, try the spirits. Test the spirits. And you test everything by the infallible book. The book of God and the infallible Holy Spirit, the great teacher who lives within you. He'll always guide you right and always guide you in accordance with the truth of the book. Always. They just agree in everything. You just have to know what God's will is and what God's saying. But when God gives you directions, you better listen to them. You better avoid all other things. So were you saying, what are we saying? We're saying that God hates idol worship. God hates perversion. And I believe when you get to heaven, I believe you'll maybe want to look up this man of God and say, why did you listen to that lying prophet when you wouldn't listen to the king? And you wouldn't take a reward, but you listened to the false prophet, the false religious man the false counselor, and he'll tell you why he did it. Now, I don't know. Maybe he shouldn't have been sitting under the oak tree. I don't know. I really don't know. And the Bible doesn't say. But I know one thing. I've got a perfect book, and I just better obey what God says. And if everybody else disagrees with it, just stick with the book. And when you get down to the end of the road, you'll know that you didn't die early because of your disobedience. In the book. So let's have prayer. Our Father, I thank Thee for Thy Word. Dear Lord, I thank Thee that You saved me by Your wonderful grace. Dear Lord, we often don't know why You do what You do, but Lord, we thank Thee for the wonderful record of the Scriptures and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Dear Lord, there's so many things we know we ought to do and other things that we know we should not do. And dear Lord, we have enough trouble with the things that we know we should do and the things we know we shouldn't do without trying to dig up some new things, our Father. 
Just help us to obey what we know is right and just seek Thy face and Thy Word and do all we can to obey in everything. Be like a little child and just obey because we love Thee and we want to do what's right. We want to have a clear and good conscience. Help us, we pray.